I want to continue talking about faith this morning and just sharing some truths about faith. Um, These are things, you know, I've heard a lot of teaching on faith, as I'm sure you have. And over the years, these are just ways that God has made faith real to me. And uh, it may, I don't understand how everybody else's brain works, but I'm just telling you, this is how mine works. I hear people say things, but unless I can understand it, I can't really operate in it. I hear people say things like faith works and faith is how we overcome. And that's a great statement, but all right, how does faith work? It's like, how do I get a handle on this? And uh, so in the years that I've been listening and hearing teaching on faith, these are some of the things that God has spoken to me that have made a huge difference in my life. And uh, I believe it'll help you. But here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in the first few verses of the chapter is where Paul is talking about our tabernacle. If it was dissolved, we have a heavenly tabernacle. And he's just using that as a metaphor to talk about if this physical body was to die, we have a glorified body. We have a, something prepared by God. And he's talking about all of these things, about heaven and how we have a glorified body reserved for us. And of course, in the natural, there's no proof of any of these kind of things. I mean, there is no guarantee. There is no physical evidence or proof that heaven exists There is no physical proof that we are going to receive a resurrection body. It's a matter of faith. And so as he's talking about all of this, in verse uh, 6, he says, Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Man, what a strong statement. He's saying, you know what, as long as you just feel totally at home, and this is like you are just completely content here in this physical body, then you are absent from the Lord. You know, actually, we have to dwell in this body, but you need to have a mindset that we're just temporary, this just passing through. In, the light, in comparison to eternity, the time we spend in this physical body is going to be like that. It's not that big of a deal. And you need to have this mindset. Paul talked about that in chapter 4 up here, that, you know, our light affliction, which is but for a moment. And Paul's affliction lasted for 30 or 40 years. And he said, it's just for a moment. That's because he was operating by faith and seeing things in the light of eternity. So he says here that as long as we are home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. And then in parentheses, it says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Now that's a passage of scripture that probably most of us have heard. Maybe we can even quote it. Maybe we even claim it. But I want to propose to you that I I believe this is a great group of people and we're faith people. But you know what? We really don't walk by faith that much. Most of us are more dominated by sight than we would like to admit And we need to increase this. We need to get to where we are walking in faith. And um, so that's what I want to talk about this morning is about how to walk by faith and not by sight. Again, last night we covered this and we begin to start talking about the reality of faith. How that faith isn't saying something is so when it really isn't so, trying to make it so. But there is a spiritual world that exists and all faith is, is seeing With your heart, what you can't see with your eyes. Things that do exist. Things that are real. We aren't trying to get God to heal us. The truth is we've already been healed. Are you going to believe that that's already done? That that power is already on the inside of us? And just by faith, reach out and appropriate it? Or are we trying to manipulate and get God to do something that He hasn't done? And so we talked about all of that last night. And what this is saying is that we walk by faith. Not by sight. 
I literally believe that we can get to a place to where faith is more real to us than what you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. And I know that as I say these things, this is just off the charts for some people because our society certainly doesn't believe this. Matter of fact, I was listening to the radio this week and I heard a guy that was talking about, um, um, oh, extraterrestrial thing, about these abductions and stuff. And they were talking about all of this, which, you know, is not something I really support. But anyway, as he was interviewing this guy who was talking about it, this guy was talking about how our society has become so carnal. That's not the terminology, but he was just talking about how that, man, we have gotten to the point that we can't believe that anything exists beyond our physical senses and our own sense realm. And he was speaking about it. And even though, you know, I didn't agree with his conclusions and stuff, he was sure making some valid points about how totally carnal, how blind our society is, how we have refused this. We've rejected all such things as uh, superstition or anything that just cannot be proven in a test tube. And there's a partial truth to that. I admit that the church, uh, you know, back during the dark ages claimed all kinds of things and it was dispelled and disproven uh, by science. And so there's a balance to this. But brothers and sisters, we've gone way over in the other ditch to where the truth is most of us are just so physically dominated, controlled by physical circumstances and input that this statement about we walk by faith and not by sight is not true of the average Christian. It's not true of the average minister. The truth is most of us are much more moved by sight than we are by what we uh, believe in our heart. And that needs to change. And I believe that God made us so that we can walk by faith more than we walk by sight. Again, I mentioned this briefly last night, but I believe that God intended for us to walk that way. That God gave us this capability and that we have the ability with our heart to see things more clearly. Now this, this is a strong statement, but I'm going to spend the rest of this morning talking about this and trying to explain it. But I believe that you can see better by faith than you can see by sight. You can see things clearer from your heart than you can with your physical eyes. I really believe that. Matter of fact, you cannot really know something in its depth and all of the ins and outs of it unless you see with your heart. If you are only going by sight, if you are waiting until you can see and feel and hear and touch things before it becomes real to you, you just aren't playing with the full deck. You just aren't using all of the resources that God has given you. God has given us an ability to see things in the spirit, to see things in our heart. And you can actually be more controlled by that, more dominated by that. That'd be more real to you than the physical, natural things that you see with your physical body. Man, that is an awesome, awesome statement. But I believe I can prove that to you from the word of God. Look over here in Luke chapter 24. Let's look at an instance where this is where Jesus was resurrected from the dead. This is the resurrection morning. The first few verses of this chapter are where Jesus rose from the dead and the women saw the angels at the tomb. And then in beginning in verse 13, it talks about the two disciples that were going on the road to Emmaus. Verse 13, it says, And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about threescore furlongs. And they talked together of all, those, of all these things which had happened. 
And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were holden that they should not know him. You know, I read this for years and just wondered about this and wondered how in the world could these people not recognize Jesus? This says that this was two of his disciples. One of them here was called Cephas. Now, I'm not sure that this means that this was the apostle Peter, but that was also a name of Peter. Uh, It's possible that that's a common name, so I can't say that this was Peter. But after the Lord had finally revealed himself to him, that same day immediately they returned back to Jerusalem and they went into the upper room where all the disciples were uh, gathered together. So you could say that for sure, for certain, this is at least one of the 120 or so, you know, that were the inner circle of the Lord. These were people who had been disciples with Jesus. They had seen him over a period of years. They had walked with him, talked with him. They knew him intimately. And yet here they were wondering about is Jesus really raised from the dead. He comes and starts walking right with them. And they didn't recognize him. Man, that just startled me. And I've been perplexed about this for years. But notice it says that their eyes were holden that they should not know him. What does this mean? How were their eyes holden? Well, keep your finger here because we're coming back. But look over in Luke chapter 16. Here is the exact same instance recorded in uh, Mark's gospel. And Mark summarized the entire account in just one sentence or one verse here. Mark chapter 16, verse 12, it says, After that he appeared in another form unto two of them as they they went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue, neither believed they them. This says that Jesus appeared in another form. What does that mean? Well, this doesn't mean that he wasn't in a human form. He didn't appear as some animal or something. It was a person. And it doesn't mean that he looked different, that it was a different Jesus. Because again, if you, I'm not going to take time to read all of this, but if you read in Luke chapter 24, that same day after these two guys finally recognized who Jesus was, they ran back to Jerusalem. And as they were telling the disciples that we have seen the Lord, it's true. He is resurrected from the dead. He stood in the very midst of them. And he said unto uh, Thomas, he says, stick your finger into the print of the nails. Put your hand into my side. He still was the same physical person. He still had the same scars. He still had all of the things. I believe that Jesus still looked exactly the same and yet they didn't know him. And let me present to you that this isn't an unusual or an uh, uh, exception. If you take every post-resurrection of Jesus, he presented himself to his disciples and they couldn't recognize him. And yet he was still the same. Let me give you some of these examples. Look over in John chapter 21. This is where Peter, you know, a number of days, weeks after the resurrection of Jesus, they went back to Galilee and he told The others, he says, I'm going fishing. And they said, we're going with you. And it lists the disciples. Here was Peter and John and Thomas and Nathaniel and all of these. So these are his inner 12 disciples. And they were out there fishing. And in verse uh, 5, it says that Jesus, or let's go back to verse 4. It says, but when the morning was now come, 
Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Now, in this instance, you might be able to say he was so far away they didn't recognize him. But uh, it even gives you the exact distance that he was away. It wasn't really that far. But anyway, as you go on down, when they got right up to him, they still didn't recognize him. So it says in verse 5, Then Jesus said unto them, Children, have ye any meat? And they answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. And they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. In verse 7, Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now he didn't recognize the Lord because he saw him and recognized him. But he recognized that this is the same thing that happened in Luke chapter 5 when they'd been fishing all night long and the Lord told them to let out their nets for a drought. And they said, we've been fishing all night, hadn't caught anything. Nevertheless, it's your word, we will do it. They cast their nets down and they brought in all of this uh, catch of fish. Uh, John recognized it was the same thing. It was the same instance. He recognized the Lord, not visibly, but because he recognized his mannerisms, his heart, what he told him to do, the power that was resident in him. And so he said, it is the Lord. And um, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciple came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were, 200 cubits. So that tells you how far off they were when they couldn't recognize him before. Dragging the net with fishes, as soon as they were come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon and bread. Jesus said unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land, full of great fishes, a hundred and fifty and three, And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus said unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord. What a strange statement. Here they are, I mean just standing straight face to face, right here they're eating with him. And it says nobody dared to ask him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. But the very fact that this is included shows you that something was strange here. They knew it was the Lord, but they didn't recognize Him as the Lord. Isn't that strange? And here's the strangest one of them all. Look over in uh, Matthew chapter 28. And if I had time to go through every single post-resurrection appearance, you'd find this same thing. But look here in Matthew chapter 28, in verse 16. Then the eleven disciples, all of His twelve apostles except Judas, the one who had hung Himself... The eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. That is just amazing. Here are his eleven disciples seeing the resurrected Jesus. He still has the print of the nails in his hand. He has the spear wound in his side, the print of the nails in his feet. He looked the same. Everything was the same. They knew it was Jesus. And yet some doubted that this was really Jesus. How could you doubt that this was Jesus resurrected from the dead? It's the same thing that happened in John chapter 21 where they were afraid to ask him because they knew it was the Lord. But they just had questions. It's the same thing that happened in Luke chapter 24 where here they were talking about the resurrection of Jesus on resurrection morning, Jesus himself starts walking with him and they didn't even perceive that it was Jesus. 
And the key to it is that he appeared unto them in another form. Mark chapter 16, verse 12. You know what that form was? It wasn't that he looked different. It was the fact that he was no longer carnal, physical, natural. He was spiritual. And 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, The natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Jesus said this in John chapter 3, That which is spirit is spirit, that which is flesh is flesh. He was saying that spirit is spirit, flesh is flesh. You cannot, here's a kind of a summary of all the things I'm saying. You cannot perceive spiritual truth in just physical, carnal terms. You have to perceive spirit, truth by your spirit. You have to be able to see with your heart, to know things with your heart. Now, Jesus was resurrected from the dead and he had a body, a glorified body that you could touch because he told Thomas, touch me, feel me. A spirit doesn't have flesh and bone as you see me have. Jesus had flesh and bone. He ate in a glorified body. He ate a fish and a honeycomb. Jesus had a real tangible body that you could touch. It's a glorified body, but it was spiritual instead of carnal. And I don't know if I can make this clear to you or not. This is just a quantum leap for most people. They just don't think this way. But even though it was a body that could be touched and all of these things, it was spiritual. And you cannot perceive something spiritual with just physical carnal means. And these men were so used to seeing Jesus in the physical, natural realm that when he was no longer physical, he was still at a tangible body, but it was spiritual. They had such slow spiritual perception that they couldn't perceive that this was Jesus. He was standing right there and they couldn't perceive it. And let me just say to you that you know what? We have thought that what we see, taste, hear, smell, and feel, that that's reality, that that's how you discover truth. We have been brought up in a society that puts so much emphasis on science in a test tube that if it can't be proven in a test tube, that, you know, it's invalid. And there's a lot of Christians today that are spending a huge amount of effort and stuff trying to prove God, you know, through finding Noah's Ark, through finding this, something that's going to make people believe. But I tell you, based on scripture, you can't make a person believe. A person has to believe with the heart. With the heart, man believes unto righteousness. And you cannot argue, talk, convince a person into faith. Faith is something that has to happen from the heart. And to me, this is just like the classic example. Here's two of his disciples walking along. Jesus is with them, talking to them. They can see him. They can touch him. And they can't perceive him because he's not physical anymore. He's spiritual. And they couldn't perceive with their heart. And so they talked to him. And he says, what kind of reasonings are these that you have as you walk and talk and you're sad? And um, it was because they were reasoning with their minds, what he says. What kind of reasonings are these? They were operating only out of their mind. They were trying to stretch their mind around how could Jesus be resurrected from the dead? I was there. I saw him crucified. I went through all of this. They were trying to deal with those physical, natural thoughts. And you just can't perceive the spiritual truths of God with your little peanut brain. 
You can get enough information that you can understand through the Word of God what's going on. But you know what? It's a heart matter to be able to walk by faith. And most of us just haven't been conditioned, haven't been taught how to walk by faith. We've been made fun of and criticized. But you know what? That's actually more real than walking by sight. And we've got to get to where we can do that. So the disciples talked to Jesus. He expounded all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And back in Luke chapter 24, I don't know where you are, but in Luke chapter 24, towards the end of this discussion... In verse 28, it says, They drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. Boy, that's, there's a great message in that. I'm not going to preach on that. I'll spend too much time on it. Verse 29, it says, They constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave to them And their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. Again, I believe that the way that they knew him was because just three days before at the Last Supper, he had taken bread and blessed it and break and gave to him. And they recognized him by the way he was. They recognized him by his actions. They didn't recognize him by his physical features, even though I believe his physical features were the same. But they didn't recognize him because it was spiritual. They had to recognize him by who he was, by what he did. And as he broke bread with them and blessed it, then their eyes were open and noticed that as soon as their eyes were open, he vanished out of their sight. As soon as they began to see with their heart and recognize this is Jesus. And they said, didn't our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the way? As soon as they perceived him by faith, then the physical manifestation was gone. When you can get into the spirit and start seeing by faith, you don't need to see in the physical realm. Now, I believe that you will see in the physical realm because once you believe it, once you get it on the inside, it's just a matter of time until it manifests on the outside. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you can see it on the inside, then it will manifest itself on the outside. But I'm saying that as Christians, what the way God wants us to operate is, is where we walk by faith and you get to where you start seeing and perceiving what reality is, what truth is, what God is going to do in your life, not based on physical circumstances, but instead based on what you see in your heart. Every one of us have that capability. We have this capacity and we just literally are not using everything that God has given us. But this is what happened with these disciples. So it says right after this, in verse 32, they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found his eleven gathered together, found the eleven gathered together, and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared unto Simon. And they, and they told what things were done, in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. 
And he said unto them, Why are you troubled, and why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. And when he had thus spoken, that he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have you any meat? And he ate in front of them. And he went on and said all of these things. But every one of these post-resurrection appearances, if you'll study them, the people didn't recognize Jesus based on some physical mannerism, but rather it was an attitude of the heart. They perceived in their heart that this was Jesus. Matter of fact, Paul even said it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I believe it's verse 16. He says, uh, at one time we knew Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more after the flesh. And then he goes on to say, for if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. He was saying that, you know, at one time they knew Jesus by what he looked like in his physical body, but they didn't perceive who he really was. When Jesus, in when the 14th chapter of the book of John, he was talking to his disciples and he says, and where I go, you know, and the way, you know, and Thomas said unto him, Lord, We don't know where you're going. And if we don't know where you're going, how can we know how to get there? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from henceforth you do know him and have seen him. And then Philip says, Lord, show us the Father and it'll satisfy. Jesus just said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he says, oh, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. You know what? They didn't know who they had. They weren't satisfied with Jesus. And let me just say some things. Again, I just pray the Holy Spirit's helping you to get this because I don't know that I can say these. These are things that I'm seeing in my heart. And to get it to come out your mouth, right? It's hard. But, um, you know, you can see with your heart Things that you can't see with your physical eyes. These disciples saw Jesus, but they never saw Jesus. They saw the physical body that he inhabited, but they didn't know him. And here's something that it's hard for a lot of people to swallow. But you know what? It was a hindrance to the 12 apostles, to the people that saw Jesus in his physical body. It was a hindrance to them to see his physical body. I really believe that. Most people today would think, oh no, if I could have been there and have seen Jesus in his physical body, if I could have seen him do these things, man, I'd have been a strong believer. I'd have had faith. Most people think, wouldn't it be wonderful to be one of the 12 apostles? Would have been the pits. Because you know what? That physical body of Jesus was a hindrance to perceiving who he really was. I don't know if you can relate to that or not. I remember when I was still in the Baptist church and... uh, I had more religious stuff in me than what I'd like to admit. But I'd been raised, you know, to reverence God and it's holy and you couldn't be sacrilegious. You couldn't be familiar with the Lord. You had, I mean, you had to have a fear of God. And uh, Johnny Cash put out this movie called The Gospel Road. I don't know if any of you ever saw that. Anybody ever see The Gospel Road? Man, that movie just turned my life upside down. It really bothered me at first and then began to make a big impact on me. But the reason was, first of all, the person that played Jesus in this movie was a blonde-haired, blue-eyed hippie. 
And this was back in the, I forgot when that was. When would it have been? Maybe the 70s? When, uh, you know, in the Baptist church, if your hair touched your collar, you went directly to hell. You did not pass go. You did not collect $200. I mean, it was just straight to hell if you, for a man. And uh, to see a hippie with long hair playing Jesus and then blonde haired and blue eyed. It just, all of my religion rose up on the inside of me. And after I watched it for a while, I realized what they were trying to do. Nobody can picture Jesus the way that all of us have him pictured. So they didn't even try. They got a blonde haired, blue eyed guy to play him. You know, they didn't even try and picture him physically. What they tried to do was capture his heart. And so I kind of got over that part. And then Jesus went up to the mountain for the temptation and he went through the temptation. And as he was coming down the mountain, he started down and he slipped. And finally, he just sat down on his rear and slid down this steep place. And his robe came up and exposed him. And when he got up, he just dusted his rear off. And I was just like this, like, oh, God, like, God, this is so sacrilegious. It couldn't be. And I remember the Lord speaking to me and saying, how did you think I got down off that mountain? Do you think I just floated from rock to rock? I'd never thought about it. I'd never had to deal with the reality of Jesus being in a physical body. And then it showed Jesus, you know, and he was walking down the road. And after he had raised Jairus, daughter from the dead, man, his disciples were, wow, did you see that? And one of them ran and jumped on Jesus' back. And he went running down the road, Jesus carrying him piggyback as they sang the gospel road in this thing. And I tell you what, it was just hard on my religion. (laughs) But it started me thinking that, you know what? Jesus was a real person. And his physical body, again, I know that this will offend some of you, but this is real. That, you know what, they lived in a hot climate. They would walk 20 or 30 miles a day They didn't carry suitcases with them. They didn't have changes of clothes. He didn't take a shower and wash his hair every single day. He didn't have washeterias around to clean up. They didn't stay in hotels. You know what? Jesus stunk. He had body odor. His hair was not always perfectly combed. It was messed up. Jesus was hot and sweaty and smelly. The Bible says that when we see him, there is no beauty in him that we should desire him. Jesus wasn't a pretty person. You know, we have pretty people today, but Jesus wasn't a pretty person. He was just as average as you could possibly be. And you factor all of these things together. And you know what? The people that saw him in his physical body, that was a huge hurdle for them to overcome to say, this is God. I don't know how many of you ever saw this movie, uh, The Gods Must Be Crazy. But there was a Coke bottle, I think, thrown out of an airplane. And these people saw the airplane and Coke bottle and they worshiped these guys as God until they saw him go to the bathroom. And when they saw him go to the bathroom, they said, these can't be gods. These are men. And that blew the whole thing. But you know what? Uh, Again, I know some of you don't like to think about this, but Jesus' disciples saw Jesus go to the bathroom. It's hard to look at somebody like this and think this is God. You know, we got an advantage because we can just close our eyes and we can picture Jesus seated at the right hand of God the Father in all of His glory and splendor and worship Him that way. They had to deal with this physical body that they could smell Him coming. That was a hindrance. 
true. It's true. You know, I'm what they call a lucid dreamer. I don't know how many of you have ever heard of this, but I read an article in Reader's Digest about it. And I'm, I dream in color. I dream all of the time. I can go to sleep and choose what I dream on. I can stop my dream in the middle of the dream. If I don't like it, I can change it. I can wake up and go back to sleep and finish my dream. I've told myself in the middle of a dream, it's just a dream and don't worry about it. Or There's very little difference between my conscious and subconscious. I don't know if there's any, I don't know what that means. I'm just telling you, this is the way I am. And uh, I just, that's the way I am. I can go to sleep and in five minutes, I'll dream five or six times. I dream all of the time, constantly. It's just constantly dreaming. But my point is that my dreams are like real. I mean, super real to me. And one night I had a dream that I was one of the disciples of Jesus and that I had seen Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead, Jairus' daughter from the dead, blind eyes open. And man, I was just ecstatic. I was having all of the emotion as if I was literally there. And it was awesome. And right in the middle of this dream, Jesus just wheeled around and boom, stuck his finger right in my face and says, but who do you say that I am? That same question that he asked Peter in uh, Matthew chapter 16. And everything I saw, every word that I heard, my heart was saying, you're God. But as I looked at him, he was just normal. His hair was messed up. I could smell him in this dream. And you know what? I looked at him and it took every ounce of faith I had to say, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Because my heart was saying yes, but every physical sensation sense knowledge that I had was saying, you're just human. You're just a man. You don't realize it, but we think, oh, if I could have been one of the disciples of Jesus. But you know what? You can know God better by faith through the heart than you could know Him through the senses. This is why people say, oh, if I could have been one of the disciples of Jesus. Basically, what you're saying is, if my senses could have seen it and been convinced, then I'd be a believer. In other words, you're saying, if I could just get faith into the sense realm to where I could prove it. But see, that's not true. Jesus' disciples didn't know who he was. Jesus' disciples missed it. They didn't know him by the Spirit. Do you know the person who wrote the most of the New Testament, who knew God better than anybody else in the New Testament, was a man that never saw Jesus in the flesh? The Apostle Paul saw a vision of the resurrected Jesus, but he, if he ever did see Jesus in his physical body, it's not mentioned. He never referred to it, which I think that's something that you definitely would have referred to. There is no scriptural account of Paul ever seeing Jesus in the flesh. And yet, he spent three years in the desert and through the Spirit came to know God in a way that nobody else knew God. The man who knew Jesus the best never saw Jesus. The people who ate with him, slept with him, were with him 24-7 for three and a half years said that our beloved brother Paul says some things that are hard to be understood. They couldn't hardly grasp it. They stumbled at the stumbling stone. They looked at Jesus. They knew him after the flesh, but they didn't know him by the Spirit as well as a man who had never met him. And I'm going to make a startling statement here. Some of you will struggle with this. But you know what? I believe with all of my heart that I know Jesus much better than Peter, 
John, Andrew, and his disciples did during his physical ministry here on this earth. I've got a much greater revelation of who Jesus is. I am not inferior to them in any way because by faith, you can know things better by faith than you can know them in just the physical realm. Walking by faith is superior to walking by sight. And yet it's amazing how many of us just long, oh, if I could have been there, if I could have seen this, if my physical senses could get involved, then I'd be a strong believer. You're missing it. You're never going to be able to be a strong believer by just somehow or another satisfying your senses and seeing something. It'll never prove it to you. Man, I've been in situations where we've seen awesome miracles. I remember Dave telling the story about, I can't remember all the details, but one of these full gospel businessman things. And he prayed and saw some great miracles happen. And then he said, all of you with unbelief come forward. And everybody came forward. Because even though they had seen this great miracle, it was so... Low key, God doesn't very seldom have flashy, uh, you know, fireworks and flashes of light and spectacular. God delights in doing things in a way that it takes faith to perceive. You know, Jesus, when he resurrected from the dead, there isn't one single scriptural account of Jesus ever appearing to anybody that wasn't already a believer. To me, that's astounding. If Jesus wanted everybody to believe on him, why didn't he just hover over Jerusalem and let hundreds of thousands of people who had crucified him see him resurrected from the dead? He could have talked to him. He could have appeared to everyone. I guarantee you, if it had been me, I'd have appeared to Pilate. I wouldn't have appeared to Mary Magdalene, a woman who had seven devils cast out of her. I'd have appeared to Pilate. And I'd have shook his bed and said, are your hands clean now? I bet you Pilate would have repented. I'd have appeared to those soldiers who blindfolded you and then slapped you in the face and mocked you and said, if you're the Christ, prophesy, tell us something. And I'd have appeared to them and said, would you like me to tell you something? He could have gotten every one of those soldiers to repent. Jesus never appeared to a single unbeliever. Most of us think, why? I would have made them believe. Because see, again, we think that seeing is believing, but it isn't. You cannot believe true spiritual faith with physical eyes, physical senses. It's a matter of the heart. You have to see with your heart. You aren't ever going to convince a person and make a person a believer because of something they see. Now, a person who's already got a heart to believe and may just be simply struggling with something, they can see a miracle and man, it'll draw them and do things like that. But faith is a matter of the heart. With the heart, man believes unto righteousness. And I think that most of us have really missed this. We're trying to contact and relate to God in some physical way instead of seeing by our heart and recognizing that, you know what, we don't have anything that's inferior to anybody else. We are actually having an advantage because we don't have to deal with the physical body of Jesus that would be a hindrance. And with our senses would just constantly be telling us this can't be God. This can't be God. We're actually better off than the disciples were. You know, the, the movie, um, The Passion of the Christ is an illustration of what I'm talking about. Because a lot of my friends went and saw that. Some of them had private screenings and saw The Passion of the Christ and told me about it and said it was so powerful, all these things. So when I went to that movie, I was literally expecting 
to have the reality of the suffering of Jesus just to be made a thousand times more real to me. I was expecting a major impact on my life. And I'm not critical of that movie. I'm not here to give a critique on the movie. I think, I praise God for Mel Gibson having enough guts to do it. And I'm not critical of it. There were Catholic overtones in it. I saw them, but you know what? To me, the the uh, point that was being made was so strong, it overwhelmed that stuff. It didn't hinder it for me. I'm not against the actors. I'm not against the director. I think that they did as well as you could possibly do with a physical thing. But as I was watching it, instead of crying, instead of being overwhelmed, instead of something, I was actually let down. It was a letdown. It was a disappointment because the reality of what I had seen by faith about the crucifixion of Jesus was infinitely more real than that picture. I don't know if you understand that or not. But you know, I have spent hundreds, who knows, maybe thousands of times reading those scriptures, the Holy Spirit making that come alive to me. And in my heart, I had seen the crucifixion much more real than was depicted in that movie. You know, that movie, all it did was show a physical beating. It could not portray the emotional suffering. It couldn't portray the irony of the fact that Jesus was Lord Almighty and he could have called 10,000 angels and have ended this thing. They didn't get that point across. They couldn't. I'm not critical of them. I'm just saying that in a movie, you can only do so much. They couldn't get that point across. Also, the scripture says that when we beheld him, he was beaten so much that he didn't even look human. He didn't look like a human being. As bad as that movie was, the person that was beaten in that movie still looked like a human being. You could still recognize them as a human being, although they were being brutalized. Scripture says that he didn't look human. You know what I believe happened? I believe that literally... Not only the physical beating, but every sickness, every disease, every deformity, every tumor, every birth defect, every accident that has ever happened to the human race all entered into him so that it was much more than just a physical beating. He physically took all of the sins, tumors, gross, grotesque things of the human race upon him in one body and he didn't even look like a human being. They didn't portray that. And so in that sense, as I was looking at it, I thought as bad as all of this is, that wasn't one thousandth the suffering emotionally and everything that Jesus went through. The image, what I've seen by faith was more real to me than what I saw with my physical eyes. And as I was watching that and at the crucifixion, the Lord spoke to me and said, if you would have been one of my 12 disciples standing at the foot of the cross, watching the crucifixion, it would not have moved you and impacted you and touched your life as much as I have touched your life through the scriptures and you see in this. Those disciples, as they stood there, they didn't understand that this was the fulfillment of prophecy. They didn't understand the dozens of prophecies that were fulfilled when Jesus said, I thirst. They didn't know all of that stuff. They didn't have revelation of that. They didn't know that Jesus was going to be resurrected in three days. So therefore, they didn't realize that he wasn't crucified out of weakness. Man, he was giving his life. He was surrendering it. To them, they saw failure. They saw the one who they were counting on being defeated in weakness. Their thoughts 
were wrong. And I'm not criticizing them. They didn't have the perspective of hindsight and the fulfillment of scripture. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. But what I am saying is they haven't, they at that period of time, when they saw the crucifixion of Jesus, they weren't impacted near as much as I've been impacted reading that in scripture and having the Holy Spirit explain it to me. You see what I'm trying to say? Is it through faith you can see better than you can see with your physical eyes. I haven't missed anything by not being physically present at the crucifixion of Jesus. I've been there in my spirit. I've seen it. It's real to me. Man, there's been, I couldn't tell you how many times I've sat there and read those accounts and cried. And man, God, thank you for your great love for us. And you know what? I guarantee you, the crucifixion, the resurrection, the whole ordeal of the passion is much more real to me than what that movie could ever portray. Now, I'm not against that movie. I think it's going to do some good. Uh, I think it's going to impact. But And I don't mean this critical of anybody if this fits you, but I really believe that the people who are going to be really impacted by that movie, The Passion, are people that don't walk by faith. They walk by sight. People that have never let God paint a picture on the inside, they've never seen with their heart, they're going to be touched. They're going to be overwhelmed. Their understanding of what Jesus suffered is going to go up because they can't see, they can't believe or conceptualize anything that they can't see. They're just totally dominated by the carnal realm. Those people will be impacted in a super positive way. But you know, a person, I can guarantee there's many of you in here that you may not have said it the way I did but you basically had the same experience, that it was already more real to you through the Spirit than it was through what you physically saw. And man, to me, I left there rejoicing, thinking, Jesus, this is awesome. Man, here I am 2,000 years after the fact, and you know what? I haven't missed a thing. The Holy Spirit has made this real. Jesus is more real to me than if I would have physically been there and have participated in that. I haven't missed out on a thing. Isn't that awesome? If you can understand what I'm saying, brothers and sisters, we are living in the most awesome time that ever was. We have the Holy Spirit that will make things more real to us than the people who physically experienced it. We've got all of the benefits. Man, it's an awesome time to be alive. But you know what? Most people are so physical oriented. See, taste, hear, smell, and feel. That's what the Bible calls carnal. And the carnal mind is enmity against God. It's not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. So that if you are in the carnal mind, even if Jesus was to stand here in front of us in a representation that you could physically see, you wouldn't recognize him if you were trying to do it by carnal senses. You have to perceive it by your heart. And if you perceive it by your heart, then you know what? Jesus is here. And you don't need to see it. It's like those disciples, as soon as they saw who Jesus was with their heart, immediately he vanished out of their sight. He was gone. You don't have to see him if you believe it. You know, I had this experience, March the 23rd, 1968, where the Lord showed his love to me. And I had physical, emotional sensation of the presence of God. I mean, I had goosebumps running up and down my spine for four and a half months, nonstop, 24-7. I was caught up in the presence of God and it was awesome, but that nearly ruined me. 
it nearly ruined me because I had such physical sensation of the presence of God that even though it was wonderful, once it left, which God doesn't want you to live on that level, once it left, desperation, fear, panic began to set in on me like how do I regain it? What do I do? And then right after that, I got drafted. I got sent to Vietnam and I literally spent 13 months in Vietnam asking God to kill me, not because of how bad Vietnam was, but because I figured that you just couldn't experience God the way I wanted to in this physical life. And I was just ready to die and go to be with the Lord. And I I spent 13 months asking God to kill me over there in Vietnam. And I remember an instance that happened. And this just came real to me this year. It was like I had a flashback and God explained this to me. But I remember that I was over there praying, Oh God, touch my life. Oh God, pour out your spirit. Oh God, do something. You know, that sounds good, but what I was really asking for is God, reveal yourself in a tangible, physical way so that I don't have to just stand on what the Word says, that, you know, you're always with me. I was wanting some physical manifestation, and I was getting desperate. I was pleading and begging, and um, this... I don't, I'm just going to tell you what happened to me. I can't explain all of this. But all of a sudden, I woke up one morning and it's like God died. There was no God. There was no sensation of any awareness of God. There was no peace. There was nothing but dread and terror. The Bible talks about how that people are without God in the world. And that's exactly what I felt like. Ephesians chapter 2. I really believe that in a sense... I felt like what hell's going to be like because hell's not only going to be a physical place of torment, but it's going to be the absence of God. Nothing good, nothing decent at all. And I guarantee you for three days, it was like God was absolutely gone. And uh, I can't explain to you how that impacted me. I was a chaplain's assistant and when people came into the chaplain's bunker to make an appointment, I was his secretary. I had to make appointments and stuff. I got so fearful that I remember somebody coming to the chaplain's bunker and I literally got in the closet and covered myself with clothes because I just couldn't face anybody. I thought surely everybody could see that, man, I was forsaken of God. I mean, it was just like God was gone. Anyway, I can't convince you of that, but I'm telling you, it was bad. It was like God was totally gone. And I pray, God, what have I done? Oh, God, please... Come back, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Every Old Testament prayer I could find. I did everything I knew. Nothing helped. I fasted for three days. At the end of three days, I just woke up and I was kneeling beside my cot, praying. And nothing special was happening. There wasn't any bells or whistles, no lightning, nothing dramatic. I was just back to normal, just peace, just natural And you know what? I know technically according to scripture that the Lord never left me nor forsake me. But here's what I believe happened. I was wanting some physical, tangible experience with the Lord. I was wanting to feel something. I was wanting a goosebump. I was wanting something like what I'd had for four and a half months. And God was trying to get me to just walk in faith. And I believe what happened, the Lord just literally withdrew all perception of his presence with me. Technically, I don't believe he ever left me, but in my perception, it's like he left me and uh, then it returned. And it was just like the Lord saying, you know what, isn't this good enough? 
Can't you just accept by faith? And what that taught me was I quit begging God for anything more. I said, you know what, man, I am happy with what I've got. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you'll never leave me nor forsake me. And I just was praising God. And I remember, that would have been in 1970, and I remember saying, God, from now on, I'm going to start standing on the Word and the fact that your Word says it, whether I feel it. And that was my journey, start walking by faith and not by sight. And this year, in February of this year, we were having an Expand Your Vision weekend at a hotel here in Colorado Springs. And uh, I was sitting on the front row, just like this. And over here, there were double doors uh, right over here. And we were worshiping the Lord. And our CBC praise and worship group was just awesome. We got into a place where, man, it was just like God was there manifest. I know He's always with us, but there was a manifest presence of the Lord. And then Jamie got up and started singing. And while Jamie was singing, in my heart, I just knew this. I knew that Jesus walked in that room. Now, again, I know He's always with us, but there was a manifest presence of Jesus. And I saw Him in my heart. Again, this wasn't with my eyes. It's just like you have a mental picture. I saw Jesus walk in those double doors and walk right over to Gail, somebody from um, Chicago. What's her name? Gail. Gail, somebody. I saw Him walk over to Gail and touch her and then skip one person and go to the woman here. And I saw him just do these things. And then he came and he stood right here and looked at me. And then he just started down the aisle and started touching people. And it was so real what I was seeing in my heart that I opened my eyes to look and see if I could physically see it. And physically, I couldn't see a thing. But you know what happened? All of a sudden, Gail just boom, flat on her face, started worshiping God. And then the next person that I saw, and I watched with my physical eyes, Every person that I saw Jesus in this, whatever you call that, whatever I saw Jesus do it in my heart, I saw it happening with my physical eyes. People just worshiping the Lord and all of a sudden getting touched. And you know what I came out of that with was that here it was from 1970 until 2004. And finally, I had a flashback to that time in Vietnam. And I thought, Father, you know what? I don't have to see it with my eyes. I can see it with my heart. I can tell what you're doing, whether I see it or not. And I remember just closing my eyes and going back to just perceiving by my heart what God is doing and that that's better. I saw it before it happened. You can walk by faith and faith can be more real to you than what you see. Isn't that awesome? Brothers and sisters, we are limiting God so much when you just have to see something. You have to feel it to know that it's real. There is so much reality beyond what we can perceive with our little five senses. I just want to encourage you this morning that the Bible says we we should walk by faith and not by sight. And we can do it. You can get to where if they find Noah's Ark, that's great. For somebody else, but it doesn't matter to me. It's not going to ma- Oh, man, I really believe now because we've got a piece of wood that proves something. Man, what I've got in my heart is better than any piece of wood. It wouldn't matter what they find. Those things don't matter to me. You can get to a place where walking by faith is reality. Isn't that good? Praise God. Hallelujah.
Father, we just love you and thank you for the word of God.